Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of About Abroad, where it's my job to introduce you to people who have built amazing lives for themselves in various foreign corners of the globe. We're talking with expats and thought leaders about moving abroad, remote work, visas, and all the fun and practical knowledge that you need to know to follow in their footsteps. If you've ever dreamed of making a life for yourself overseas, maybe working remotely or embracing long-term travel, retiring or studying abroad, or even just taking a peek inside life beyond your borders, you've landed in the right place. My guest today is one of the first people in the world to take advantage of the new digital nomad visas that are coming out. A lot of countries are starting to offer a digital nomad visa, which allows you to come work as a remote worker in their country and live there legally for a given period of time. Her name is Jess. She's an American currently living on the island of Var off the coast of Croatia. And she's built a pretty epic life for herself through this visa, but also just through some of the decisions that she made to get to this point in her life where she's working remotely, living on this beautiful island, and living as if she's on vacation every day, as she says. So had an absolute blast getting to know her, her story, all about the visa itself and how to go about getting one and what it's like once you're there, and just the island of Havar and the beautiful landscapes of Croatia. It sounds like a great place. I haven't been there. So we had a great time just diving into all things Croatia in this episode. I hope you'll enjoy it. Please help me in welcoming Jess to About Abroad. Hey, Jess, welcome to About Abroad. How are you doing? Hey, Chase. I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing really, really good. I'm very excited about this conversation because I have such a genuine interest in how you arrived to the number one country on my list that I've not made it to yet in Europe, which is Croatia. Yeah, so excited to be here and share a bit about my uh, my crazy experience. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's uh, let's just set the stage a little bit for everyone because I know a bit about you, and fortunately, I think for the audience, not a ton. This is the first time we're actually meeting, quote unquote, face to face. I know you know that you're currently in Croatia and a little bit about how you got there, but why don't you just uh, just tell everybody a little bit, really quick, like where you are and how long you've been there, and you know how it is that you're legally allowed to stay. Absolutely. So I have been living in Croatia since late August of 2020. So decided to up and move during the pandemic, which uh, we can talk about during this episode. Um, I'm living in a town called Yelsa, spelled with a J, but pronounced with a Y as in Croatian, on the island of Var. So I uh, have been living this island life now, sort of unexpectedly, uh, as for as long as I've been here. was originally planning on staying one to two months and then absolutely fell in love with the place and the people and the culture and just the lifestyle and everything. So decided to, over the you know next couple of months after arriving, figure out how to make that work legally, uh, as you mentioned, and just socially and you know financially and everything. So um, yeah, my partner and I have been here and I've been back to the States twice to take care of some you know family business and you know business business. And then now I've been here since uh, early June again. So Love it. Planning on staying. And uh, people always ask, like, when are you leaving? Especially the people here, which is really funny because I get I get the sense that they don't want us to leave, which is so nice. And I just say indefinitely because I really don't know. And I don't really plan um, now more than one to three months in advance. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) You built a a pretty sweet (laughs) life for yourself. Where's home back in the U.S.? So I'm originally from Long Island, New York, and I spent about eight or nine years in New York City and Brooklyn uh, after university. And then I spent about two years in San Francisco prior to coming here. And I did about a five or six month stint in Southeast Asia and then again in North Asia with my partner in 2018. Wow, man. uh, So you've been doing the kind of moving around bit for a few years now at least and and decided on Croatia. How how did Croatia come on your radar? Was Was it somewhere that you had already been and wanted to go back to, or was it like a totally new thing or yeah, what was the the genesis of that? Yeah. So it was a, a combination of things and kind of timing that, that helped us end up here. So as I mentioned, it was during the, the pandemic that we sort of decided to up and move and we basically packed up our San Francisco apartment. We had actually been living 
um, in the mountains near near San Francisco with my partner's family for kind of the beginning part of COVID, which was really fortunate to be able to to be oh, you know, yeah. kind of isolated <laughs> that way uh, and to be able to be out in nature because you couldn't do anything else. We, we did that for a few months and then decided like, you know, we've always wanted to move to Europe. My partner's French American and I've wanted to move back to Europe since I studied abroad in 2008 in Barcelona. So let's just do it. We're both, you know, working remotely because we have to now. We both work in technology, so it's possible. Um, so yeah, we did a road trip for about a month around the Western U.S. after we packed up the San Francisco life, and then we just booked a one-way ticket to Croatia. And, and the reason why Croatia was a couple of things. So one, we basically knew Europe was our destination in terms of the continent, and then we had to narrow it down from there. So we looked at the entry requirements and regulations at that time, which was you know July-ish timeframe in 2020, and they were always changing, right? right. In terms of um, you know what you could do then with with what testing and what whatnot. So we we had a short list. I think it was about five or six countries. I had been to Croatia once before in 2016, just on holiday for a couple of days. And I had been to the island of Far for two of those days. And I was like, you know, I think living on an island during the pandemic might be a good idea. You know, fewer people in and out. It's, you know, beautiful nature. It's presumably quieter. You know, I had a lot of assumptions. And then kind of the icing on the cake was I found an Airbnb, honestly, that just looked totally awesome and had this incredible terrace view. And I was like, you know, I think I want to be there. I want to work from there. I want to do my exercise and stuff out on that terrace. And that's honestly how we ended up in this specific town um, on the island, which I had never visited. And my partner has never been to Croatia before. So that is how we decided on this spot. <laughs> I absolutely love it. One <laughs> one big piece that we we have to dive into, and I guess we'll go ahead and and do it, is the the legal aspect of being able to do that. Because I really want to spend a love a lot of time on talking about Croatia and what life is like there and everything. But there's this fascinating bit is that all these countries are now coming out with these uh, remote work visas or n digital nomad visas. They have lots of different names, but essentially it's been very difficult and Europe is notorious for this. It's very difficult for us as Americans to stay in Europe for beyond 90 days. Usually you have to get in and out of the Shenzhen and there's just, it's, it's a challenge. I've done the visa hopping thing. Uh, it's, it's, exhausting, actually, uh, as much fun as it is. After a while, it gets a little bit old. And so it's amazing that, you know, as more people are getting access to remote work, these opportunities to live in these countries truly live and, you know, move there, settle down and just work uh, remotely are are becoming more and more a thing. And Croatia is one of those countries and you're one of those people that got on that train early. So tell us a little bit about this visa that you have and what it takes, you know, just generally what you know about it and what the process is like, and we'll get into the details from there. Yeah, sure. So yeah, definitely was one of the early people to hop on that train with lots of help from people in the universe, I think, which we'll, we'll talk about. But I think I was the third person to obtain the the new digital nomad visa, as it is called. So um, that was pretty cool. And it all sort of happened serendipitously at the end of 2020 when I sort of had to figure out like what is the next step because originally when we came to Europe our plan was okay spend one or two months in Croatia and then sort of use that as a jumping off point to maybe go to Italy and then France Spain and all over but you know obviously with the pandemic it was just like not that easy to travel as it was before and we also just fell in love with the place so we're like we don't want to move <laughs> so with all of that I was basically here you know on the tourist visa which is actually you don't need anything for it you can come here as a visitor for up to 90 days and then before that ended I was like okay what what's the next step that I need to legally stay here and the option at that time which was I guess in the fall was basically to get a temporary residence permit so in Croatia, you can get a temporary residence permit as long as you have a couple of different criteria checked. So you have, you know, proof of income, proof of savings, I think a health insurance, um, proof of where you're staying um, with some sort of contract to say you have a lease here for X amount of time. And there's a couple of other things, you know, that, that you need. But it was fairly easy to obtain that one. And that I think I originally got for six months. And then I knew that I wanted to stay longer than that. So before that was up, this digital nomad visa just became available. And I had been in touch with a few folks that are, you know, kind of closer to these types of affairs, like long-term expats here that were really helpful, people that are in touch with the ministry and like knew when this visa was becoming available. So I knew I had that option um, coming. I just didn't know exactly when towards the end of the year. 
So once it became available, sort of by word of mouth initially, and then it became all available online, I went to basically the police station here, which is how things are done. You go in person and you kind of figure it out with the people there that will help you with your documentation. And that's sort of how it all unfolded. I think you can continue to extend your temporary residence permit as an American. The only thing, and I'm by no means an expert, is that there are then tax implications, of course. So we did consult a tax expert here and in the States just to kind of understand, like, what are the implications? What are the rules? So that's one thing if you continue to stay on the temporary residence permit versus the digital nomad visa, which is good for one year from issuance. And then we will see about the renewal process. I don't think that's figured out yet because nobody has done it. It's, it's literally year one for this visa. I know there's been a great deal of interest for the country. I think there's over 100 or 150 applicants from all different places. I think the U.S. is in the lead for the number of applicants last time I checked. But I think it's an incredible program, right? Because as you said, it is notoriously difficult for Americans and folks of other nationalities to stay in places that they wind up falling in love with and want to contribute to. And I think that was a big part of, again, like our desire to stay here. It was not only because we were having such an amazing experience, but we were like, we want to stay and give back and like contribute and spend money here and like meet people and be positive for, for this country as well. So it's been amazing to be able to obtain that visa. It's been a little bit different for my partner since he has a French passport as well. It was, easier for him in a sense, because EU citizens can stay here without, you know, a special visa, but he also can't obtain the special visa because he already has an EU passport and it's not available to those that already have that because they don't really need it. Mm. So that is the short of it, but we can go into detail about any of it. Yeah. That's, that's interesting that in some ways for a European, it's like it was easier, but also harder. Why, why would he want the, the digital nomad visa? Like what, is there any necessity for him to kind of change his status in any way or does it benefit him if No, not from what we researched understood, not really. Like there's no real need. It's it's honestly for, for me as an American just a great option to be able to get that because I don't have an EU passport, so I don't have I don't, you know, those rules, those special rules don't apply to me to be here. But I really feel like Croatia at least and I can't really speak for other countries in the EU cuz I've never tried to stay longer than, you know, the visas I had, I feel like the country was really motivated to make this work. I know Portugal is another country that's um, been really supportive of this too. And, you know, letting people stay and stimulating the economy that way and just diversifying the people here and the businesses here. So I think it's a super smart move for the country. And um, it's a, it's a huge opportunity for people that want to move. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, you said it, like you want to be there to contribute to the society and, and, it, you're every day you're buying groceries or you're renting an apartment or you're you're investing cash into the economy and also the cultural aspect that you you mentioned like bringing in people from around the world and 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 people who already have jobs and aren't really going to you're not really taking anything from society you're just there contributing in in a lot of different ways so this this digital nomad visa thing makes sense um for a lot of countries and it's it's really cool to see it coming together. You you mentioned something about going to the police station. It's You also do that here in Spain. Like when I have to do my visa renewals or update anything, you, you go to the police station to do that, one, one central police station here in particular. But to get the visa itself in at the very beginning, did you have to go back to the US or could you do it from your home country? Or do you need to be there? Like, is it, I guess the question is, is it more like arrive to Croatia during on your tourist visa, then do the digital nomad visa? Or could you get the digital nomad visa ahead of time? Because I imagine some people would be kind of scared to arrive. Like we, for instance, we didn't do there's something we could have done perhaps in Germany instead of coming to Spain. But we had to go to Germany and be there and apply for the this long term visa when we got there. And that was really nerve wracking because it was like, well, what if we don't get it? And now we've moved our lives here. <laughs> so anyway, what, what's the process like for the, the Croatian visa? Yeah, so so many thoughts about all of what you just said there. So yeah, it, it definitely could be disconcerting, I think, if you're the type of person that like wants to plan ahead. And I feel like if you're choosing to move abroad, you can you can control certain things and other things you can't. With the visa, in my case, I didn't really have a choice because I had already made that decision. I was like, we're moving. And then 
just given the circumstances with COVID, we're like, okay, we're staying. And it was actually like more difficult to go anywhere. So we're like, all right, we're here now. And now we need to figure it out. And I kind of have the personal motto, if there's a will, there's a way and anything can be figured out in one way or another in time. So it was really, again, just like really great timing that the digital nomad visa came about when it did, because it actually, I didn't really need to get it right, right away, because there's the tax implications, I think, happen kind of after a certain amount of time. And I hadn't come close to that amount of time yet. I just wanted the peace of mind to be like, I'm setting down some roots here. I have a year of runway. And then, you know, as you said, it's just it's just easier and better that way sometimes. So that was really, really good luck um, that that timing worked out um, and that I was kind of building the plane as I was flying it, as was the Croatian government, I think, because it was, again, we were the first like cohort of people to even apply for this and get it. So with the temporary residence permit, I went to the police station with all of my documentation. I think I was missing some stuff. They told me and helped consult with that. And then I, I obtained that all on the internet. Like I didn't need to go home for that. So I was able to do that here. And then um, it was the same thing actually with the digital nomad visa. It was like a separate application with a lot of the same information for the temporary permit. And then a couple of additional things that I needed, but I was able to get that all here and I didn't have to go home to get any sort of uh, additional things signed or information. So that worked out really wow, well. Wow, that's amazing. And, and if you, do you know if you had been back in, if you had started the process back in the US, could you have gone to like, could you have done it all from there or was it really imperative to be there in, in Croatia, you feel? I think just for me, it was easier to be here because again, it was like learning along with the people that were yeah. issuing <laughs> the visa. So that was actually a really cool experience and a huge shout out to the, all the people here that, that helped us get there. Um, it takes a village, I think, when you're you're launching a program like that. But I think you can actually get it for like remotely. Mm -hmm. So you can be in the States and apply for it and, and get it that way and have it ahead of time. I guess a word of advice to listeners, if, if it were me, if I were deciding on living in a place for, you know, one year, up to one year or whatever it is, I'd want to go visit yeah. and kind of spend a month, two, three months and like kind of exhaust that tourist visa and see how you feel before you're making that investment to you know, it's not really an investment, but taking the time to, to go through the visa process. If you can do that, that's a great, great option to do and then get that long term visa if you want to totally. stay. Totally. Yeah, I, I agree. Like you, you get a get a year and three months uh, or or get that get that 90 day tourist visa, then get the extended one and then and then go for the digital nomad. Get all the time you possibly can. And as far as renewal goes, what are they what are they saying? I know they're building the plane as it's as it's in the air. But like, what's the uh, what's the general consensus? Is it is it renewable? Is it not? What do you think? Yeah, I haven't read up on the updates since since it was issued to me, which is, I think, in March. So things may have changed since then. But I think the sense was that you'd have to kind of leave the country maybe for six months. But then my understanding was that you could actually come back after three because then you'd be back on the tourist visa after the three months. And then that would round out the six months. I don't know. Knows, really, yeah. I have to <laughs> do some more research. I'm really hoping that the government decides that people can renew under specific circumstances that are also going to work for Croatia as well. So I don't know if that would mean sort of modified rules or regulations around it. But to me, I mean, like, I think our case is specific, but there are definitely other cases like this across Croatia where people are integrated into society. They want to stay. They're not here to like mooch off people, right? They, we have jobs where we're spending money and we're just part of the community here. So I hope that people don't have to leave if they want to stay, but you know, I know there's more to it than that, but I, I'm hoping that that's the outcome. So we will see. And if, if not, if we have to leave and then come back, I won't mind uh, three months in France or Spain or somewhere yeah, else. Uh, it could be worse. <laughs> that, that's okay for me. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Oh, I've got to go to Switzerland for three months. It's going to be horrible. Um, <laughs> and and we'll, I'll take you off the, uh, the the pedestal here in terms of like having to be drilling you with questions. I'm sorry. I am, like I said, just super curious about these things. Um, but is yeah. do, as far as some of the like main requirements to get the visa, obviously you need to have a job from elsewhere. Um, they don't want you coming in and taking a Croatian job or a Europe. I don't know if, if it's limited to Croatia or, or Europe or what the, the zone is, but what are some of the kind of main bullet points that they're looking for? Yeah. So it was very similar to the temporary residence permit. So 
obviously you need your passport. There's a fee to actually process the application. You have to have some sort of proof of health insurance, whether it's travel insurance or your local insurance, or you can get local insurance in Croatia as well. Local, I should have said like your foreign uh, health insurance from home. You needed proof of like savings and or income. I don't recall if it was both or one. And there's a certain threshold for that. Um, and then you needed proof of your employment. So I have read cases here in Croatia where people have been self-employed, you know, back in the US and that works. For me, I was employed with a company. So that worked for me um, as long as it was, like you said, outside of Croatia. I'm not sure if it had to be outside of Europe. I would imagine yes, because it's not a visa that can apply to EU citizens. So maybe, but I'd have to double check that. But otherwise, um, those were the pretty much the, the requirements. And then honestly, it was just like having some patience and following up with people and then actually going to pick up the visa like a month later. You get basically like a temporary issuance and then you get um, like the physical card, which was um, is one of my now most treasured possessions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You guard that thing with your life once you've gone through the visa process. <laughs> It's uh, it's it sounds like it's relatively smooth process. Like like it sounds like you know, considering they just threw this thing together pretty quickly. Like you know, it's uh, it seems like they've got it together. It was relatively painless. Either that, or you're you're just a very positive person, and you're like, yeah, it was it was pretty straightforward. But I can say here in Spain, it's not. It's notoriously like hilariously slow, bureaucratic. And like, sometimes you just like toss your hands up, like, what, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? I'm going to move to Croatia. Um. Yeah, I, I think it was probably a little bit of both, right? Like, I, I consider myself a pretty structured by the book person when it comes to certain things, but you have to just relinquish that when you move abroad or like try new things in yeah. life. Otherwise, you'll just get frustrated. So I feel like it was like, you know, just people coming together to try to help us, like even giving us rides to the police station, right? Like they were super awesome, our friends here, and they all helped us. And there were some other folks that really like trailblazed this. So I'll shout out to Yang Dejong. I hope I'm saying his name correctly. He's um, a Dutch guy who's been living in Croatia for a long time and has built businesses. And he really saw the value in bringing kind of this foreign investment in a way to Croatia and rallied with the ministry to get it done. And I think he like really spearheaded this with a group of folks, including a guy named Paul Bradbury, who's been an expat here as well. And they both really helped us kind of um, get this done because it is a little bit confusing when you're in a place that, you know, you don't necessarily speak the first language, even though most people here do speak English, which is really easy for us. But it's always like, you know, you don't know the cultural norms exactly. There's nuances. You know, where do you stand in line at the police station? People are cutting you, but they're not really cutting you. You know, you, all those sorts of things. Um, it, it really helps to, to have friends on the ground helping. So, yeah, I think it's a little bit of patience, but a little bit of persistence. And the process actually wasn't that bad. That's great. That's really good to hear. And I, I 100% agree. Like, uh, I've, I've come across some people who are going through these processes and they're kind of like, I don't know, swimming upstream a little bit, I guess I would say like they're, they're, they're beating their heads against the wall, trying to make it work exactly how they want it to work. And it's like, you know, you have to just kind of go with the flow. You're in a foreign place. Things are done differently and don't frustrate yourself with trying to change the system, work with the system and, you know, you'll enjoy your time. Look at it all as like part of the cultural experience. You know, it's like you're, you're the third person to do the digital nomad visa. Like that's a really cool thing. And, you know, it, there's going to be some bumps in the road probably, but just enjoy the ride. Exactly. I totally agree. We'll be right back to the show after a quick break for a note from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by my friends over at Lexity. I've lived abroad in various countries, and one common denominator I've found is that dealing with foreign bureaucracy is a nightmare. Trying to navigate visa and immigration waters in another language is not something I'd recommend ever trying on your own, even for the most experienced of us. So when I recently had to renew my Spanish visa again, I turned it over to the pros at Lexity. They've already helped more than 5,000 expats and digital nomads find a home and thrive in countries like Portugal, or in my case, Spain, also Italy, France, and Greece. Some very desirable locations indeed. So whether you're trying to obtain your first visa abroad, purchase a property, or work through international tax issues, Lexity's team of friendly lawyers is here to simplify your journey. The team is super knowledgeable, bilingual, and thorough, and I seriously cannot recommend their services enough. My experience working with them has been incredible, and I can honestly say I don't know that I would have EU permanent residency if it wasn't for the help 
of the team at Lexity. So if you're ready to make your move abroad, then Lexity is offering an exclusive discount to About Abroad listeners. Grab 10% off your first service with the code ABOUTABROAD2023 and learn more over at Lexity.com in the show notes and start your abroad journey today. If you've made it this far into the episode and you're still enjoying yourself, then I would love to ask a quick favor. Open up the app that you're using to listen to this podcast and leave a quick review. You can do this in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and really just about any platform that allows podcast listening now. If you can't find that in the interface of the app, then scroll down in the show notes and find ratethispodcast.com slash aboutabroad, and you should be able to leave it from there. Thanks so much, guys. We really appreciate it and hope you enjoy the rest of the show question I, w- I would love to get into a little bit about uh, like what you you know your work because you're obviously able to do this because you you work remotely and I know you you dabble in a few different mm-hmm. things at a few different areas which are all really interesting and pertinent to this podcast but with the with the digital nomad visa in particular are they looking for like a, a set amount do they have an income minimum and as a second part to that, do they require, do they take anything like tax wise or do they require that you pay some sort of monthly fee or anything to maintain it? No, not, not as of right now. So there was a fee to obtain the visa and process it. I think that was less than $100, I want to say, maybe maybe a little bit more at the end of the day. But no, the, the, I don't recall the exact minimum if there was one. I, I should have probably checked the most recent kind of things on the website of the ministry. But no, I think it was like proof, like official proof that you are employed, either self-employed or employed by another company on official kind of letterhead and things like that. And a bunch of other kind of documentation that goes with it, like bank account statements. So really nothing too crazy. I mean, for me, I think they just want to make sure that people are not taking, right? They're, they're not, they're net adding to the economy here and not taking away, which is totally fair and justified. So I think that's just kind of a formality that they, that they have. So, so yeah. We'll be right back to the show after a quick break for a note from our sponsor. This season is brought to you by my good friends over at Insured Nomads. They're the absolute best in the business when it comes to providing health, travel, and medical insurance for nomads, expats, and really just all forms of world travelers. I know insurance is often something that's overlooked when we're fantasizing about traveling the world, but it's absolutely necessity that we address this because often the policy you have in your home country isn't going to cover you while you're abroad. And it's also a requirement, as a lot of people may not realize, to actually buy private travel or expat insurance, as it's called sometimes, to obtain a visa or even enter certain countries. So fortunately, there are companies like Insured Nomads to help us with this. Not only do they have excellent coverage and great prices, but they're also providing a first-class experience with additional perks and best-in-class technology via their app. It's It's an amazing experience. I can't recommend it enough. Now, this is a company that was built by world travelers for world travelers. So they know what it's like to find yourself in a difficult medical situation abroad, and they want to keep you from having that same bad experience. So the next time you're planning a trip abroad, whether it's for a week or a lifetime, check out Insured Nomads via the link in the show notes. Okay, now back to the episode. Let's circle yeah. back to to your work, the, the which allows you to do this. Yeah, I mean, I know you you've got a, I believe you've got a blog, you've got some consulting business, you're you've got a full time gig. So tell us, uh, tell us about the side hustles and the, and the the day to day. Yeah, so was working uh, at a technology company when COVID hit, and was doing business development and sort of partnerships work there, which is work that I've done for the past decade across um, the finance and tech industries, which. I think is actually totally different than a lot of digital nomad stories. And the term digital nomad has like a lot of different meanings. I think in one of your earlier podcasts, you were talking about this as one of your, your guests where he, I think he was saying he was a slow mad potentially, or maybe that's, yeah. you were saying that, but yeah. So I think, you know, I was working in like a very traditional industry initially in my career in finance. And I'll just give you kind of the backstory here. Cause I think it's a little bit interesting and maybe some people can relate out there. That was like a, de- a desk job where you were chained to your desk and like I was trading stocks. So I had to like be at my terminal as they call it. So I did that for the first part of my career and, and that was great for its own reasons. But at the end of the day, at the end of that part of my career, I was craving flexibility. I was like, the, like, 
not only for like the creative and like kind of growth part of it, but also just like logistically, I wanted to be able to have more flexibility, work from other places. And that was really one of the motivations to, to move into the technology space. So I moved out of finance into um, a technology startup at the time, which had a lot of kind of crossover with finance, which worked really well for, for me career-wise. But that was a pivot that I made that I am so happy that I did. Like never looked back after that because it's kind of put me on a trajectory that has led me to this point. And now I live in Croatia. So anyway, it's a long journey and there's a lot of a lot of steps in that process. But but basically um, I moved into technology doing kind of different go to market or business development roles across sales, account management, strategy, partnerships and all those sorts of things. And have done that at a couple of different companies, both large and small, really enjoyed it. And then when you know COVID hit, I was able to actually do that remotely because most companies in the tech space decided, you know, our, our employees are going to work from home and many companies enabled their, their people to work from anywhere, at least temporarily. So that is what helped me move here um, in, in the short term. Um, so that's one thing. And I think I've met a bunch of people here that are doing similar type jobs, which again, are not like the traditional, like, you know, a, you're a writer or you're like a full-time blogger. The things that people traditionally think about as like a digital nomad or people that are living as expats. But yeah, so it's a little bit different, but it's been working really well for us. And my partner does something similar in the product management space. And then in terms of side hustles, yeah, so I've started doing some consulting for that work as well on the side. And that sort of happened accidentally slash organically. I was just talking to lots of folks in the industry. I have a, a really great network of people that are interested in similar things in terms of the professional areas that I have experience in. And also this, people are genuinely interested like you, right? In like, how did I, how do I live here? What's my thought on remote or hybrid work? And it all kind of just came together in, in sort of these consulting gigs that now I, I am doing. So trying to work less here, but also working a lot, <laughs> um, which is good. Um, but, but yeah, that, that's something that, you know, I, I'm leaning into because it's again, something that affords flexibility and that's something that at this point in my life, I really, really value. So doing that, um, with basically pre-seed to kind of series B or C companies, helping them out with their partnerships and sales strategy and go to market stuff, which I love to do and have a lot of experience doing, uh, working with lots of very cool people. And then on the side, I have uh, a travel blog with my partner. Um, it's called Tales Traversed. It um, needs to be updated, as I mentioned before this call. So I will be doing that hopefully before this airs. But that's just a collection of really photography and, and some writing and just sharing our experiences. And the purpose really is to, to help inspire people to show that you can you can travel and, and have a full time job and like like, you know, really cultivate and kind of build the life that you want. It's hard. Like sometimes it's maybe you get this too, having been an expat now, you're posting pictures on Instagram or telling people about, you know, that you're on the beach or like traveling to all these places. And they're like, do you even work? <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yes, I actually hold down a full time job and I have security and I really, you know, I have my stuff together, so to speak, in whatever sense you think about that as. But I also really value my lifestyle and these experiences. So you can do that. And um, yeah, hopefully like this story and then my blog can help uh, show people. Yeah, I, I believe it is. I mean, already, like uh, just from the little bit of interaction we've we've had before this and following some of the things you're doing, I definitely find it inspiring. And I can totally relate actually to a million things you, you just talked about. Our path is very similar. The path we took, I also worked in finance and insurance for the first chapter of my career and uh, was yeah. and, and left uh, otherwise awesome role and career path and income and people. Every, I loved, I actually really loved like almost everything about that, except for the fact that I just wanted to, and I actually worked remotely, wasn't chained to a desk. I traveled a lot, but it was all domestic and I really craved international experience and just wanted to, just wanted to live abroad. Like really just felt like I needed to be immersed in other cultures to, to, uh, live a full life. And I couldn't have both. Yep. We tried to make it work actually to the, to the credit of the company. Like they, they really, we tried to figure out some way to make it work, but it just would have been, it was too early, I think in the, in the location independent ways of the world, you know, that, to, to make it happen. So anyway, I can relate on a lot of levels. Like it was, you know, it takes big sacrifice, I think, which is something I love to touch on in this show because I, I probably get, there's probably like two or three subjects that I get a lot of emails about or comments about like, 
and that making that big lifestyle shift to obtain location independence, to to move abroad, to make sacrifice. You know, people are strapped down by mortgages, uh, kids in school, um, debt, their job. You know, they just feel like they can't. Their career. They just, I can't. I can't change that. I'm. I'm going to be vice president at the end of next year. You know, I can't leave that now. I've worked so hard for this, but there will always be that next rung on the ladder that you're trying to get to, no matter what. And if you don't. Mm-hmm cut the tie and just make the change now you'll never do it you'll always have a reason to, to stick around so I think you know it sounds like uh it, it is definitely coming from a place of privilege to say well I'm just gonna you know I'm just gonna leave it all behind and just go go t- jump and make the leap and do it but like most people actually can if they're willing to make some sacrifice and then everybody I've had on this podcast that's done that like yourself nobody's come back and said like, yeah, I kind of wish I hadn't. Like everybody's like, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't trade this for the world. Like this has been the best decision I ever made. Yeah. I I mean, that really resonates. I I agree. I mean, there's like these environmental factors of like your life, like where were you born? What is your situation? How did you grow up? Like all those sorts of things that some people don't have control over that. Right. And I feel very fortunate to have had a life that set me up to be able to have these choices. Not everyone does. But then I do think it takes it takes guts, right? It takes courage. And one of my favorite quotes, not to be cheesy, but is by Annie Snin, and it's life shrinks or expands in proportion to one's courage. I really believe that. And I found I've done a lot of self-reflection. I think a lot of people did during COVID, especially because we spent a lot of time, you know, sitting still. Yeah. Um, and some of that reflection for me was like it was just fear. Like, well, I wasn't doing anything because I was scared. And I was like, that's not who I want to be. That's that's really not how I want to operate and not where I want to drive my life from that, that point of fear. I want to drive it because I'm hungry for things and experience and I'm not scared and I have courage. So my, my personal philosophy, part of it is you can always kind of go back to things. And I do know there are complicating factors. Like you said, like I personally, I don't have kids. I don't have a mortgage. And that those are choices I made because I didn't, I've never wanted that kind of um, restriction on my life. And those are beautiful, amazing things to have. But for me, it's not not choices I've made. And that's also, again, set me up to be able to pursue this lifestyle right now. And who knows, maybe it won't always be the lifestyle that I want to lead. I'm a huge, huge fan of kind of editing your life as you go. And for me, it's funny, I have to like balance being content and being present and kind of being like, okay, I'm just going to sit with my life right now and really enjoy this moment versus thinking about the next thing. It's something that I've always kind of, um, it's been an internal struggle, I would say, in a, in a over time. But editing your life as you go is good, right? Like things are going to change. People come in and out of your life. Like the world changes. Obviously, we've learned that recently. Um, and you just kind of got to go with the flow and, and kind of see see what works for you. There's actually a concept, or I guess it's a word that I learned recently after listening to Jeff Warren's podcast on the Calm app. Mm-hmm. So I try to meditate. I wouldn't say I'm a, a full-time meditator <laughs> or really into it yet, but I'm trying to get into it and I find it really helpful. But basically this concept of equanimity, have you ever heard of that no, word before? No, I've, I love this word already. I'm eager to hear more. Wait, so I'm actually going to Google it, the official definition so I don't mess that up. But basically he was saying that this concept is like you let things kind of come in and out of your life without holding on too tight and like letting them kind of bounce off. Actually, I'm going to read this right verbatim off of uh, Google because Google knows everything. So equanimity is calmness and composure, especially in a difficult situation. Oh, I love this. So I love that that word or that concept. And I've I've honestly been applying that to my life since I learned it a couple months ago. And it has helped me deal with things. Like you said earlier, like things happen when you're traveling or abroad or like just in everyday life. And um, taking this concept of equanimity and just saying like, breathe, things come and go, don't hold on too tight. And it just makes life easier. Yeah. Like just not worrying a lot. I, I happen to be a pretty, or was, um, I'm, an, I'm an evolving anxious person. <laughs> Hopefully I'm becoming less anxious over time. But that concept really helped me. So anyway, I went on a little bit of a tangent there. No, but, um, I think it all it all ties together. It's a beautiful tangent. My favorite word in Spanish, I think I've mentioned this on the show before, is tranquilo. Um, I learned this word mm-hmm. early on when I first started studying Spanish. But it like resonated with me. I actually said one year, I was like, I'm going to focus on this word every day. Like I'm going to... And because they use it a lot in Spanish 
in the way we might say like no worries or chill or uh it's all good you know they it's always tranquilo and like it, it in everything here in in spain and i and i get a sense in croatia too like in southern kind of southern europe in general i feel like it's there's a very tranquilo vibe where it's just like you know it'll get done life will move on it's fine like uh i had a really funny thing happen actually like yesterday uh i was at a um like out walk, watching a, a soccer match with friends and the we were trying to get just a drink or something and the waitress just like kept walking right past us and I, there was a mix of expats and spaniards and those of us like not from spain were like getting visibly angry like just like she, she's walked past us like 20 times we can't you know we can't get a drink it's been like an hour whatever and everybody like the others were just like like their heart rate wasn't racing you know they were like they were chill about it <laughs> and, and anyway it just made yeah. me think like you know like it Spain and living, living abroad, living in different countries, learning how people deal with things like for me, it's, it slowed me down a good bit. And we come from a society that's like, I mean, you lived in New York, you lived in San Francisco, you know, we've, we've, we've worked in finance. You sat at a, at the terminal, like these things get your heart rate up. And when you get into some of these other societies, you're now living on an Island in the, in the, you know, in a beautiful place in Croatia where like, things move a little slower and that really slows you down and gives you perspective and gives you, what's the word again? You, you equa, equanimity. equanimity. Yes. I'm going to, I'm going to write this one down. Yeah. So anyway, it's a, it's all part of like the, these are the things that like aren't on the, you know, aren't online that you see, like when you look at pictures of moving to a place, but like, these are the things you learn sort of through osmosis when you're when you're living in a new place, I think. Totally agree. And actually, there is a very similar phrase here in Croatia. It's pomalo. That's like, take it easy. Like, don't worry about it type of thing. And yeah, there's just like no sense, right? So it's so funny. You mentioned like living in New York and San Francisco. I feel like I was much more tightly wound, for lack of a better term, and very type A, like frenetic, right? Because you're just running around all the time, getting things done and like, I don't know. You get, you get the vibe here. It's very, very different. And I see people here sometimes like expats who get really wound up. I think a little less so in Croatia because I feel like more chill people come here, but in other places where they get so wound up about stuff and you're looking on the outside when you're a little bit calmer yourself. Right. And you're like, I have some inner peace. You're like, why, what is they, I mean, maybe that person has stuff going on. Right. That's fine. But like, what's the point of getting wound up and getting so upset and angry? Like, it's just it's just detrimental to that person's well-being and also to all the people around them. Like there are, of course, times to get upset and and to, to fight for what you're trying to fight for. But most of the time it's not. And this is not me trying to be preachy because this is something, again, that I'm learning myself every single day and I work at it. But it's something my partner has really taught me, too. We are very opposite in a lot of ways. And uh, one of the things he just doesn't let things bother him. And it's always something I've admired about him. And I've tried to like really adopt into my personality as well. But, but yeah, you just need to adopt that personality, especially when you're living abroad, because it'll just save you a lot of heartbreak. <laughs> it will, it'll let you enjoy the ride a, a lot more. And uh, that's funny that he's, he's helped teach you that. Do you think there's, is there, he's, you said he's, he's French, right? So like, is there, is that partly because of his culture related to France, you think, or is it just kind of how he is? That's an interesting question. I think it's actually more having to do with the fact that he's one of five yeah. siblings okay. and he, he grew up in a big family and like, he just had to go with the flow, you know? And, and I think it's just his personality that he just doesn't let things rattle him and he's super calm about it. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that's just, just him. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to ask you, Chase, like you've had a similar path in a lot of different ways. What, what was like the turning point for you, right? Because it sounds like similar to me, you got a taste of like this life that you kept building for yourself. And you're like, oh, I like that. Next step, level up like that. I like that. I like that. And then you're like, your life was probably really good in the States and like having that job that you mentioned. But then you're like, I want to do the next thing. Like what, what was the next step for you? Like, was there a day or a moment or a situation that, that made you take that leap to the next step? Yeah, that's a that's a really great question. And there are two answers because there were sort of two big steps that were taken. So the first one was leaving the the stable, the stability of the job, selling the home, giving up the company cars and the stock options and the retirement funds and like all the all the things you said something earlier, like like I've got my stuff together, like 
giving up all the stuff that society says is should be together and uh and going to more of like a digital nomad lifestyle and working on an e-commerce shop on the on the road and traveling all the time so that that big step came um i have to say like uh completely because my wife really pushed for it and she really wanted it. And I was tempted to stay the course, but we both just had this like overwhelming desire to travel a lot. And I thought I can make it work to, to work remotely from other places. But like I said, in the end, we couldn't do that. It was, it was just like a, I think a fear of the mundane was sort of like what was creeping into us. We were going on these, we had our couple weeks of vacation a year and we'd fly to, I remember one year we flew to Italy for like six days, like left on a left on Friday after work, came back on Sunday and like uh, the next week and like saw like four cities and just had this like hectic trip. And we were like, we, we love that way too much for that to just be like six days out of our year. So we have to figure out how to do mm-hmm. this more. Um, so it was this com- kind of combination of the fear of the mundane and, and uh, just a need for adventure. And then the second piece is when we decided to move to Spain. And, and that was more like, okay, we, we've, we could keep traveling a lot, kind of bouncing back and forth on these three-month trips, and which was just awesome at the time. Like We were content with that. But when we found out about this visa for Spain, which is sort of like a digital nomad visa, it's actually set up for pensioners, like retirees. But when we found this out, we were like, Huh, we could actually stay in Europe for a whole year at a time and keep renewing it. You know, what if we tried actually like living in a place and like going through that whole process? And, yeah. and just uh, like once we started looking into it and we realized it was possible, it was like realizing that it was possible just ignited that fire and, uh, and totally forced us into being like, we can't say no to this now. And I have to say, that's a big reason why I wanted to start this podcast is because just, just to let people know that it's possible. Like, uh, you know, that's the, that lack of inspiration is, was certainly my case. Like I was like, Oh, this just isn't possible. You'd Google, how do I stay in Europe for more than 90 days? And everything would say you can't. (laughs) And, uh, and so, you know, there's more content out there now there's more information flows quicker, but yeah, I mean, I I don't know if that answers the question directly, but that's, those were sort of the two different chapters where I made like big steps. Yeah, no, it, it makes total sense. And I'm sure that a lot of your listeners will, will, that will resonate with them, right? It resonates with me. And it's, those are similar things that I've experienced and, and have led me to kind of live the, lead the lifestyle or build a life, like you said, that, that you've built for yourself as well. So I think it's yeah. awesome. <laughs> well, thanks. I, I think it's really cool to, to get to meet people now, especially, you know, living here in Europe, I meet a lot of expats or people that are traveling through just yesterday here at my uh, at my co-working, I met a, a two new people who are coming through and spending three months here, and then they're moving on. One guy's going to Turkey, one guy's going to uh, I don't remember, France, I think. And like, like I'm getting to meet people that way from all these different nationalities and backgrounds. I get to meet people like you who have followed their dreams through this this podcast. It's sort of like a, a dream come true because I really crave that like like these little pings from people from different corners of the world to share their their stories and how they got here. And I'm just like kind of genuinely fascinated by it. (laughs) Yeah, I totally get that. And listening to your podcast, I felt that and like reading about folks and just meeting people all around um, through traveling and through living here as well. It's been very inspirational. And I feel like at least for me, I need to go where, where I feel the energy, right? Like where I feel my energy rising from, like what are those situations and really kind of lean into them. And I think also it's a function of like, as you get older and every year you kind of like you're learning things, right? You're learning things about the world and yourself. And then you can kind of keep going in the direction that, you know, deep down you should be going, but you might have not have had like the, the sense or the wit or the courage to do before. And I think that's a really beautiful, cool thing. And that means something different to everybody, right? For you and me, it's like, we love adventure. We love the unknown. We like different things, right? That's like satisfying for us. And it sounds like for your partner and mine as well. And for other people, they crave stability and they don't like that. And that's totally cool and fine too. But I agree, like just letting people out there listening to this know that impossible is nothing, right? You can make things happen. You can figure out a way and you can't plan too far in advance. Like if if one thing doesn't work, 
something else will work out and things work out as they are supposed to anyway. Totally. So, as you said, no you said it earlier, like editing as you go, is a, it's an awesome concept. I've, I love that. Like you, our, our plan when we came to Spain was to be in Valencia for three months and stay for one year and then go back to the US. And so we were, and, and actually I, I left this out of the story earlier. We were actually back in the US. We were trying to buy a house again and like have like a home base. And then we were just going to travel mm -hmm. for a few months out of the year from there. But all these doors kept shutting in our face. Like we, we actually, funny story, we actually quote unquote bought a property uh, that actually wasn't for sale. So we like, our realtor accidentally showed us the wrong property and we, we thought it was great. We, we were planning on having a home here and then it turned out it was the wrong place. And, and so anyway, we just had all these doors kind of shutting in our face, like things falling through with, with all kinds of like bureaucracy and stuff. And we were like, huh. Well, we know about this visa now in Spain. Let's let's just go there. And so all these things that seemed like negatives at the time turned into us deciding to go to Spain for one year, Valencia for three months, and now we've been in Valencia for three years. <laughs> so <laughs> totally, totally editing as as we go. And uh, I I I crave this type of life. And it's not like you said, it's not for everybody, but it is uh, it is for those of us that that crave it and and want the change and the the flexibility. It, it works really well. I'm going to hold on to that that edit as you go thing. I like I like that. You you talked about the energy of a place, and I would love to learn a little bit more about Havar and where you're living, like Croatia in general, and then specifically the island that you're on. Um, what's what's the life like there? How do you how do you describe it when you talk to friends and family back home? Wow, I love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> to start with that, it's funny. I think it's just it's a beautiful, beautiful place, like the people and the surroundings. And it's a much, much slower lifestyle, as you can imagine, than, than New York or San Francisco. And that was something that my partner and I like, kind of knew we wanted, but didn't really know to the extent until we really started living it. And we're like, wow, we don't miss big cities at all. <laughs> um, and it's funny, because like, five years ago, I could never have imagined leaving New York. I was like, this is my place. But no, the, the lifestyle here is is very different than in the States in that, you know, it's the typical like people work to live, they don't live to work. Mm -hmm. That's like one thing. It's very family oriented, very community oriented. And because the the towns and the villages are smaller than the larger cities in other places, you know more people and naturally there's a, a bigger sense of community. And that was something that my partner and I really never felt we had um, living in San Francisco and New York. It's like the first place where we really feel like we have like a huge net of people around us that like genuinely care, are genuinely good people and have values that align with ours, like prioritizing health and happiness and lifestyle, right, really, and making everything else work with those things first. Um, and that's a very different um, vibe, I think, to to the you know than the states, at least through my experiences. So, you know, the lifestyle here, there's like a little town square we go to every day. We have our coffee. We see tons of people we know. Um, we we work out either whether it's outside. It's a little hot now for that, but there's there's a gym here that we go to, and then we're working during the day. Um, we work actually from home because we have some space to do that. There actually is no co-working space here yet in this town. There may be in far town, but in our, in our town of Yale. So there isn't yet. And then, yeah, we, we go to the beach in the afternoons for a couple of hours and we cook a lot at home and yeah, there's just like an, an endless amount of things to do. I actually have a friend from the States visiting right now for the week. And she's like, Oh, I see why you yeah. moved here. <laughs> like instantly she was like, I get it because it is just a slower, more relaxed kind of pomalo, as I mentioned, lifestyle. And that is something that I think after, especially after COVID and like, just again, like that, that caused some reassessment, I think in our lives, we were like, this is something that we want to do. And we just feel very calm and happy here. And it doesn't mean that everything is easy, right? Like figuring out work you know, for my partner has been a little bit of a challenge and you just need to like figure things out and take your time. And sometimes things don't work out like instantaneously, but they do in the long term, you just got to take those little steps every day. And then you look back and you're like, wow, I made a huge leap, right? <laughs> so anyway, again, a tangent, but um, the island of Havar is absolutely stunning. There is a really cool mix of like kind of deserty feel in some areas of the island. And then it's really lush and green. And then I think Croatia has the, the most beautiful swimming uh, locations in the world. And I've traveled all over uh, just crystal blue waters, um, amazing rocky shores. 
and um, you can explore like endless amounts of trails and things to do here. So I've lived here for almost a year and I feel like I've explored like 10% of the island yeah. and we're out and about like doing things all the time. So yeah, it's, it's not a huge island, but there is a ton and there are like hundreds of islands you can visit in Croatia. We've only actually visited the mainland twice since we've been here, again, because of the pandemic. Like travel just wasn't really in the cards, but that's something we we can't wait to do as well, um, to go to some of the cities and, and the countryside on the mainland too. Um, it's a little bit of a different lifestyle here because you need to take a ferry to get anywhere. Um, and the ferry takes a couple of hours, but well worth it. Part of the whole package of a slower lifestyle. Um, we, wound up, we wound up buying a car here actually after a few months, which was a game changer because you can pretty much walk everywhere in our town, but having the car, like we really felt the freedom to go anywhere we needed whenever we wanted. And uh, we had amazing friends that were driving us around if we needed, but um, now we have the car. We both learned to drive manual, which is, I think is pretty hilarious um, because as an American, we we're used to driving automatic, but now we have our little Suzuki and we drive all over the island. And uh, yeah, it's just a really cool life. I honestly feel like I'm on vacation every day, but I'm not. And that I have to actually pinch myself when I wake <laughs> up. I'm like, wow, I don't need a vacation from this. And I've always traveled a ton, like throughout my career, throughout my life. Like I, I always maxed out those vacation days. I think everybody should, especially in, in America where you don't have a ton. Yeah, of you've got six, um, you know, but uh, now, you better use them all. <laughs> <laughs> make them make them work. But now I, I, I actually don't have that innate desire to travel right now. I'm sure that will come back because this is still like new to me. I've only been here a year and the summertime's amazing and blah, blah, blah. But I don't have that desire to like go and get out because I love where I live so much. And that was a huge driver of wanting to stay. That it can't be any more beautiful than that, right? Like if you don't need a vacation from your day to day, like if you feel like you're living a vacation, then that's uh that's sort of a, a dream come true. You've come a long way from the terminal. <laughs> <laughs> a very long way. I mean, like I said, it little steps, right? It's kind of insane to look back and think like that was my life. Even two, five, ten years ago. Yeah. It's just um you just gotta keep pushing for for your kind of Live your truth. I know that's a cheesy saying, but I re that's really resonated with me more and more as I get older. You have to just like not care what people think and just do you yeah. and make it work. It's your life. You only have one. It's short. Um, health is not guaranteed. That's something that's driven me personally mm -hmm. to make decisions I've made. And yeah, you just never look that, back. That exactly what you just said. When when you asked me earlier, I I could have uh, I could have put it more eloquently like you just did um, about like what was the catalyst for making the the big leap from, you know, leaving like a, a more stable career and that, that sticking to your truth kind of concept. I don't know that we used those words exactly, but something along those lines, it was like this desire to, this desire to be immersed in other cultures and to travel and to, and to live like you're on vacation more is just too much a part of us, me individually. And my, my wife and I, as a, as a couple to deny, and like you, you can't keep yeah. denying that just because society kind of says like, well, that's not really the way. Like, you know, you, you're, you, you just don't do that. It's like, well, some people do. Why can't I do that? <laughs> so it's, I think it's really, yeah. it's really important to, to reflect on that. Like the lifestyle that you and I are living is definitely not for everybody. Um, but I get a lot of people who write in to, from the show and say like, you're, you're right. This, that lifestyle is not for me. I, I like my, my house in suburbia and the, the, the plan that I have and everything, but I like listening to people like Jess who are living on an island in <laughs> Croatia and living kind of vicariously through them. So that's a really fun aspect of, of, of the show and of the people I get to talk to doing this. I want one more question on the, on the island of Havar itself. What's the, what's the community like for you? You've mentioned several times you have friends, you see people in the square, you're in a small village, which in some countries I will say like can be a good or a bad thing. Sometimes the small villages are like, whoa, expats, foreigners, like you're invading our space. Other times it's very welcoming. Sometimes there's no expat or no foreign involved. You know, you're like the one and only foreigner there and that can be a good or a bad thing. Mm -hmm. So I would love your perspective on the community in the village and then also uh, Havar in general. Yeah, so we have had a 100% positive experience here, which as someone who's traveled all over the world, that's not always the case, even when you're traveling or especially if you're living in a place as an expat. Here, people have been extremely welcoming. And I think people were really curious 
because they were like, okay, people come here on vacation. People stay like one, two weeks, maybe a month. And then they saw us here like in the winter and they're like, why are you still here? <laughs> we don't understand. And I was like, look around. It's amazing here. And you always obviously like, it's the same thing wherever you grow up or live, right? You don't have that same, like maybe nostalgic kind of feeling or that's not the right word, but it's not new. It's not exciting. And for, for us to come with like the, this different perspective, I think has made, I think people realize that like this place is insanely beautiful and amazing. And it's like, it's it just a different perspective. Right. But people here have been so welcoming. Like I mentioned that Airbnb, that was just like the reason we came here ultimately. That was like the, the, the period at the end of the sentence we came here and the granddaughters of the owner of that building were so kind, basically our age. And they were like, Oh, we'll take you out to meet our friends. And we met all these people over time. And then from there we met more people. And there's this feeling of like, that, that I didn't have in the States as much, of course, with my good friends and family, I did, but like, even people you're not super close with here will go out of their way for you. And it's just like, they don't give it a second thought. And that to me is so special. And it, it's something that is like, just hugely important to me now and will be forever going forward. But it wasn't before because I just hadn't, I hadn't known that that was like a thing before. So here um, in, in Yelsa, there's, I think, one or 2000 people. And it fluctuates kind of year round. Some people leave in the winters and come back. Um, there's other kind of villages and towns on the island that are comparable size. And then there are much smaller, but they have like 100 people, which is a little too tiny for us. Personally, we'd love to visit, but we like to be somewhere where there's a little bit more going on. So, yeah, people have been super great. Again, I think very curious about our situation. It was also really unique during COVID, too, because there was like not much going on. And people, we just kind of like met people outside for coffees and like went on walks and like, it just like made it work. But everybody was really in one place and not moving. And that was like the perfect environment for making new yeah. friends in a way, because no one was doing anything. And like, people were just kind of focused on like what was right in front of them. So that's been really great. There's a bunch of expats here, but we actually are probably even more friendly with the locals actually, which is really special and cool. Um, the young people here have been like super, super welcoming and, and, and everybody else as well. So um, just just yesterday, I had some figs that were given to me by um, a woman who I'm very close with who runs a charity called Echo Var. She grows figs. She gave me these amazing fresh figs. They were as big as my head. And then I was like, I have too many figs. I'm going to get sick of eating these figs. So I brought them to my neighbors downstairs. And then they immediately insist on giving me something in return. So I got a whole bowl of sour cherries back and some fresh bread. And I was like, this is amazing, wow. right? Like I didn't even know who my neighbors were in San Francisco and New York. So that, that, um, that is something that I think is um, kind of a European thing, especially you get it more in the smaller towns and villages. So it's just, uh, it's pretty magical. Oh, that's a, that's an amazing story. You, you woke up, didn't have figs or cherries and you ended up with both and uh, made somebody else's day by sharing with them. Pay it forward. Exactly. Oh, it sounds like a yeah. really great community. I, I mentioned this earlier. I haven't been to Croatia yet, and it's literally been like at the top of my list for a couple years now. And I, it, it's odd coming from Spain. It's one of the most expensive places to get to in Europe. Like I could fly to mm. all over Europe from directly from Valencia for like certainly less than a hundred, often less than fifty euros. Yeah. But to get to anywhere in Croatia, it's well over 500 um, usually. So I just I just keep not prioritizing it. Like, oh, I'll get I'll get there eventually. But um, my wife actually did her yoga te teacher training on the island of Vis, um, which I believe is yeah, pretty close. Right yeah, right next door. It's, it's a neighbor team. <laughs> and she came back just raving about the Croatian people. Same as you've been. The Croatian people, super, super friendly. The landscape, the water, just super transparent, beautiful. Uh, and, and that doesn't even get into the mainland with the with the national parks and the waterfalls and the cities like Dubrovnik. I mean, it's a it's a little country that has a ton to offer. You mentioned like like hundreds or what thousands of islands. Like, I mean, it's just insanely beautiful. Yeah, it really, really is. And I'm I'm surprised that it's so expensive to get here. I guess you could drive to another city and then fly. Maybe it'd be cheaper or I don't know if that you could do like a long extended trip to get here, but it well worth it once you get here, I have to say. But set those alerts, yeah. right? So hopefully the prices <laughs> dip and we can uh, meet up over here. I'd be more than happy to show you around. I look forward to it. I, I really hope that uh, that that will be the case here very soon. And um, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to prioritize it. So we'll we'll make that happen. Jess, this has been awesome. I 
like I'm so excited for you and the the journey that you've created for yourself and the life there in, in Croatia. I hope that the visa is renewable and you can stay as long as you want. If you need to get away and come to Spain, you know where to find me. Uh, you guys are more than welcome. But thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing all your knowledge. Uh, I think a lot of practical info and and some super inspirational information as well um, is perfect for this show. And uh, I think the listeners will get a lot from it. That's awesome. I'm so glad to hear it, Chase. Really a pleasure to speak with you and uh, sending lots of positive thoughts to the ener- <laughs> and energy to the uh, audience here. Thank you. Yes, certainly. From from Valencia and from the island of Havar, um, we're sending lots of positive vibes. Do you want to uh, mention real quick, I'll add all this to the show notes, but we talked about your your travel blog and your um, your consulting business. Where can people go to find you and, and learn more about you and follow along the journey? Yeah, thanks. So um, LinkedIn is probably the best place to connect for for business stuff. So I'm Jess Romano on LinkedIn. And then also the travel blog is called Tales Traversed. So just talestraversed.com. It's also, I think, LinkedIn, my LinkedIn. Um, I'm also on Instagram. I think my handle now is NYC to everywhere. So you can find me there if you want to connect socially as well. Um, and yeah, if there's any listeners out there that want to connect, I love to have chats like this. It's It's super fun. So yeah. Awesome. Reach out and uh, and connect with, with Jess for uh, all these things we've discussed today. We'll link to all of those in the show notes, so it'll be easily clickable to, uh, to follow along. Jess, thank you again so much. It's been a real pleasure. I enjoyed it a lot. Thanks so much, Chase. Take care. Thanks for tuning in today from wherever you are in the world. Once again, I'm Chase, and this has been another episode of About Abroad. You can visit aboutabroad.com to get our latest updates and listen to past episodes or find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, really anywhere you get your podcasts. On that note, if you enjoyed the show, feel free to subscribe and if inclined, leave a few stars and a review. It's truly, truly appreciated and will help more wanderers just like you find us. Until the next time, adios from España.